Now we're we're in for a treat today, and I, I say this really not because of who is speaking, but I saw Jan get so excited when she saw her her son and, and daughter-in-law walk in. So Steve, enjoy that as you come and bring God's word for us this morning. Nick, I was afraid if they knew I was the one bringing the message today, there would be more going to the children's time. <laughs> if you told them ahead, so thanks for not doing that, okay? Good morning, everybody. Uh, good to be back at Red Lane. It's good to be back with you, and I want to thank you for your prayers as I have served a church in Suffolk. And uh, also thank you for your prayers for our family. We are praising God for his provision over the last few weeks, and thank you so much for your support uh, during, a, during a storm, right? But he is Lord, and we're grateful for that. I also hate that I've missed the, the previous services and small group time that you've been a part of in this capital campaign emphases. But I have had an opportunity to read the previous four messages that your pastor has given us, and I appreciate the biblical principles that this campaign has pointed us to. Uh, pastor James, I thought you were preaching on money, and all the while you've been preaching about stewardship and our responsibility, not only for the tithe, not only for the 10%, but we are accountable to the Lord for 100% of what he entrusts to us. So we are to be stewards, we are to be managers, amen? So I can also speak this morning from a pastor's perspective because I've been where James is. I've been a part of a church that built a new worship center and a new education building and we renovated the former sanctuary for classroom space. And our first building cost 1.3 million, our second building was 1 million. And we went through a stewardship campaign similar to this that was called Together We Build. Some people thought we should have named it Forever We Build. <laughs> but here's what I discovered through the process. If our church, Tucker Swamp back then, if we had been comprised of tithers, we wouldn't have had a need for a building campaign. Secondly, the capital campaign encouraged members who had not been tithing to realize that it is a biblical mandate. And so many of our folks started to return to the Lord a tithe or the first fruit or their best to him. I also realized that there were some people that were not 100% in agreement with the building and the renovation plans. And unfortunately, they even withheld their regular offerings kind of as a, a, as a protest not only hindering the ministry of the church, but robbing God of the spreading of the gospel. There were some who were not thrilled about pledge cards or commitment cards, but in reality, it was just a way for the building team to project funds in order to secure construction loans from the bank so that we could start building while the money was being raised. I also knew that we had people who were not able to give above and beyond their tithe. I mean, there were some that were strapped financially. There's some that were dealing with health care expenses, and some had lost their jobs. And yet they supported by giving of themselves to prayer and giving service to the Lord. And folks became so creative in ways to give when they weren't able to give financially. Everyone can give something. You can give a prayer. You can give yourself. You can give a tithe or some 
are able to give above and beyond. And that really leads us to the last stewardship principle today that we find in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Now, I've got to be honest with you this morning. I love receiving gifts. I mean, I do. I love the surprise of a wrapped present or a gift bag that's been prepared. It's something that someone has thought about me to give to me. And, and I don't care if the gift stinks. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it doesn't fit. It doesn't matter. I'm excited about receiving gifts. I feel blessed when someone thinks of me. Don't you? Don't you feel blessed in that way? So if I was writing the scripture, if I was writing the scripture in the flesh, I, I might say that it is more blessed to receive. Right? So the message title today is more blessed to blank. And we're going to fill in that blank. It is more blessed to blank. And you might fill that blank in differently. You might say that it's more blessed to serve or that it's more blessed to worship or more blessed to fellowship or more blessed to be on mission or more blessed to evangelize. By the way, there is only one reference in scripture that states that it is more blessed to do something than it is to do something else. And here it is. It's plainly stated that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? So Acts chapter 20, verse 35, in its entirety says this, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. These are Jesus' words, so these are red-letter words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we don't know when or where Jesus spoke these words. As a matter of fact, they were almost forgotten. But we do know that someone remembered them and shared them with the Apostle Paul, and then he quoted them here in Acts chapter 20, and therefore he preserves these red letters, the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ for you and for me. And so we could call this the almost forgotten beatitude. Now, some view this as the most unbelieved beatitude in the Bible because they say, well, how can it be that the giver is happier than the getter? I mean, surely there must be some mistake. It goes against our instincts that we would like to give better than we would to receive. Well, let me remind you that the beatitude is a sentence that begins with the word blessed. And so Jesus himself very frequently spoke in Beatitudes. He began his ministry by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Later, he said things like, Blessed are your eyes because they see. Or blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In fact, the word blessed occurs 42 times in the Gospels. But there's only one time when the phrase, more blessed, occurs, and it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so by reading this carefully, we can see that Jesus was actually describing two great blessings in our life. He talks about giving, and he talks about receiving. And I want you to notice that he didn't say that one was a curse and another one was a blessing. And I'm so glad for that because I enjoy receiving too. Receiving and giving are both blessings, but one 
is greater than the other. And which one is the greatest? Giving. Well, I want us to consider receiving this morning because like, like I said, I, I, I like receiving gifts. So I think we all like to receive. I mean, we like to receive a paycheck at the end of the week, right? That's a blessing, right? We're thankful that we have the money, that we can pay the bills, that it provides food on the table and clothes to wear and other necessities of our life. Or when someone remembers your birthday with a gift, that's a blessing, right? Yes. When someone does an act of kindness toward you, that's a blessing. It is a blessing to receive. Now think about the blessings that we have received from the Lord Jesus himself. All that we have comes from him. All that we are or will ever be is from him. Our homes, our possessions, our families, our friends, our souls and bodies, our hope, our future, all from him. Forgiveness of sin, eternal life, daily peace, his constant abiding presence in the Holy Spirit all come from him. We are the recipients of these blessings. The great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, puts it this way, pardoned for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine and 10,000 besides. We can't even count the blessings that we've received from the Lord. John 1.16 says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. So what could be greater than receiving? What could be more wonderful than that? What could possibly be more blessed? Well, there's only one thing. Jesus said, even more than receiving, it is the blessing of giving. You see, I like receiving gifts. There's no doubt. It is a blessing to me. But in a couple of hours, I'm going to be blessed even more as I offer my wife her birthday gifts that I have thought about and I have shopped for and I have purchased. They're wrapped, they're bagged, they're in the living room, and I can't wait to give them to her this afternoon. <laughs> and I can't wait to post it on Facebook. <laughs> I will be even more blessed when I give the gifts. I'm looking forward to that. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. That's God's message to every one of us today as we stand on the threshold of this historic moment in the life of our church. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, why is that the case? Let, let me give you 10 quick reasons why it's more blessed to give than to receive, okay? I want it to be quick, so we're gonna number, yeah, 10 things, okay? So we're gonna number it. Number one, you ready? Giving obeys God's command. Stay with me. The Old Testament has far more, far more commands about financial giving than the New Testament. It, it even details of who should give, when should we should give, and how much we should give. So maybe it's because in the New Testament, writers knew that God had given us far more because he gave himself. God gave himself through the death of his son, Jesus. And so it should have been pretty obvious that as believers, we should follow that logically as God has given us the greatest gift in his son, that we too should become imita imitators of him and we should give ourselves. But just in case we might have missed this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they clearly give, God clearly gives us commands like 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. 
So number one, giving obeys God's command. Where are we? Two, giving submits to God's lordship. Every act of our obedience is recognition that God is in authority in our lives and he deserves our honor and respect. But let's face it, sometimes it is our temperament, it's our personality, even our circumstances that cause us to submit to his authority more easily. You see, when things are out of control in our life, it's easy to throw up our hands and say, I can't do this. And then we submit to God to do what only he can do, right? That's easy. But you see, our submission is really tested in the areas of our life where we think that we have control and can take matters into our own hands. And for most of us, money is one of those areas. We want to have control. Our wallet, our checkbook, our debit accounts are all, all often the last things that we submit to God for his rule and authority. Number one, number two, now we're at number three. Giving exhibits God's heart. James 1.17 says that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. As his followers, we are to copy his giving. We are to be imitators of his infinite, large, giving heart. We, too, should give good gifts. What do people think of God when they see the way I give or how I use the money that he's entrusted to me? It should reflect the very heart of God. Amen? What number are we on? Number four, giving illustrates God's salvation because at the very heart of the gospel is sacrificial giving. I mean, what is John 3.16? What is that all about? For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why when the apostle Paul wanted to encourage the Corinthians to give more, he pointed them to the person and the work of none other than Jesus himself. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You see, when we give sacrificially for the sake of others, we are actually illustrating the preaching message of the gospel itself. Why is it more blessed to give? Number five, giving trusts God's provision. You see, the biggest obstacle in giving is fear. Fear that if I give too much, then I won't have enough to be able to do what I want to do. You see, when we give sacrificially above and beyond what is comfortable and easy, we are expressing to God our faith and our trust in him, that he will provide for us and our family. It's a step of faith in God's provision. Many Christians have discovered this joy that's found in Ecclesiastes 11.1 when they cast their crumbs of bread upon the waters and multiple loaves return after many days. It's such a joy to see God fulfill the promise of his provision when we obey him. Number six, giving widens God's smile. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, right? Giving widens God's smile, kind of big cheese, get it? God's smile. But Paul says to the church at Corinth that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. It delights him to see us gladly opening our lives, our hearts, our hands to provide for the needs of his church and others. 
And so Paul repeatedly commended and praised those who gave of their funds and of themselves to the gospel work. God delights in our giving. We are more like him when we give. Number seven, giving advances God's kingdom. You see, many of us have contributed to a company called Apple. Anybody? Yeah? I have an iPhone, I have an iPad. So I've helped grow this Apple company from a garage operation to a worldwide empire that it is today. And I'm, I'm kind of happy about it because it's a company that has brought many blessings to the world. I know some people think it's brought curses, but it's brought many blessings. I mean, we're able to FaceTime now, you know, and see the grandbaby more frequently because of Apple. But think for a moment about what a blessing it is when we fund the mission of Christ's church. When we're paying the salaries of ministers and thousands of missionaries, we're funding resources for outreach and evangelism and discipleship. But of all, we are investing in the spiritual, the eternal welfare of people from every nation and tribe and tongue. Our dollars are changing homes and relationships and countries and even the eternal destiny of many souls. Number eight, giving promotes God's sanctification. Giving not only promotes God's continued work through us, but it also promotes God's work in us, which is our sanctification. Giving money, especially when it requires denying self and taking up our cross and following after him, it helps weaken or break our sin chains and our selfish nature. As we become more like him, the more that his grace spreads in our hearts. So giving in some regards is this visual illustration. As money leaves our pockets, it's less selfishness. And sin leaves our heart. As the commercial says, priceless. Number nine. Giving testifies to God's power. Although in scripture we're, we're not to let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, it's pretty obvious that Christians give a lot to their churches and Christian charities. As a matter of fact, the world has noticed with amazement how generous Christians often are with their money. They might not say it, but they're thinking to themselves, this must be the real deal for people to give away so much of their money. They must really believe this stuff. They must believe in this Jesus. They must believe that a God that they worship and serve must have incredible power to make people want to give and to be generous. Giving testifies to God's power. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because, number what? Ten, giving praises God's character. Giving in a right spirit is an act of worship. It's rendering to him <clears throat> a tribute of praise. It's actually saying, you gave me everything, and here's a small expression of my gratitude and praise for all of the good gifts that you've given to me. It's only a token, a sample of what I really feel, but you know the heart that lies behind it. As David sang, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? So let me ask you this morning. I, I've given you ten reasons is giving better than getting? Is it? Do you now see how giving makes us more blessed 
than getting. We can get so much joy and happiness when we see how God is glorified in our giving and when we see him bless others through our giving. You see, I believe that today is a red-letter day. It's red lane, red-letter day, but it's a red-letter day because the words that we've heard today are coming directly from Jesus himself. But it's a red-letter day for us as a church, one which future generations will consider as a historic turning point for us as a congregation. You see, every generation of believers before us has faced moments in their history Face moments of decision in which the work of the kingdom depended on generous, extraordinary financial sacrifices. We are Christians today because of the sacrifices of those who have gone before us. They have passed down the gospel to us who have gathered here today. We would not be sitting here in this place if it had not been for the faithfulness of God's people. And now it's our turn to give and to invest not only for the betterment of today, but for our children and our children's children. The purpose of today's message is not to put some pressure on any of us regarding the commitments that we've already made or are about to make. It is important, however, to see our giving from God's point of view, from an eternal perspective. And so let me just share with you these scriptures. First Chronicles 16, 29, give to the Lord the glory do his name, bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. The Lord God gave this command to the Israelites in Exodus 23, 15. Celebrate the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in that month, you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Likewise, in Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 through 17, we read, No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord, your God, has blessed you. I've got to tell you, I learned that principle early on as I was a young married man in the life of a church, and the pastor said, you're, you're to give something every time you come. To church, you're to give something every time you worship. I don't care if you give online, I don't care if you give on a monthly basis, but this is an act of worship. Don't come empty handed to the Lord's house. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. When we think of the Magi coming to worship the infant Christ, they didn't come empty handed. Matthew 2 11 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. And then our Lord Jesus said this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You see, we can't take our houses and lands or bank accounts with us to heaven. The only things that we can take with us are the souls of those whom we have led to Christ. So our renovation project is simply a tool for us to use toward that end, to take our friends, our neighbors, to heaven because we've led them to Christ. 
So as we give, we know there are no gifts too small except those that are given when we're not cheerful and we're not sacrificial. There are no givers too small except those who are giving their money but not willing to give of their hearts and give of their lives. There are no gifts too large except those who are given without first praying and continuing to pray. You see, there is a priority in this process. So Red Lane family, I believe that our greatest days are ahead. We must, we must do much for Christ in his kingdom. And we don't have time to waste. The task is great, but God is greater. And he has already entrusted to us the resources that we need. So now is the time for us to join him in the work and give ourselves to the Lord and be a part of what God himself is doing. He has blessed us abundantly, hasn't he? And all that we have came from him and belongs to him. We are simply stewards. We're simply managers. And today we ask him to prompt our hearts to give back a portion that is needed for the work, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he said that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, you placed upon my heart the message title, More Blessed to Blank. And I pray that as we are praying individually, sitting at our seats today, that we are filling in that blank in a way that would please you. More blessed to what? I mean, this is an opportunity because if we're not filling in the blank to say that it's more blessed to give, then we're not being obedient to the word. In some regard, we're being very selfish because we're, we're choosing what's more blessed when you've already chosen it for us. John 1.16 says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one gift after another. Giving expresses our worship, our worship of God, and it extends the work that you have already started to do and wanting to complete in us in order to reach this community, our neighbors, our nations with the gospel. And this morning, this is a time for self-examination. Are we willing to, first of all, give of ourselves as an offering? I'm reminded of this, this, this child who, when the offering plate was passed, he said, lower it just a little bit because I want to stand in the offering plate. And the parents said, why, son? And he said, because I want to give myself. So today, are we willing to give ourselves as an offering to you? And are we willing to, secondly, give back to you the portion that you have required of us in a tithe? Lord, we know that there's some who are able to give sacrificially above and beyond to you and your work. But this morning we have to ask ourselves, are we doing so cheerfully in a way that would honor and glorify you? So Lord, today speak to our hearts and help us to respond in obedience to what it is you're having us to do and help us to do it quickly. Help us to do it in obedience to you and response immediately 
to what you're asking. We trust you now. We thank you in Jesus' name.